0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.38 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 27th of March, 2023. And this is episode six hundred and ninety-one of Bitcoin, and it's time to churn and burn. Oh baby, I just oh god, I you know, we've got to start this one out with some good news. NFT trader accidentally burns one hundred and twenty-nine thousand dollar crypto punk, Andre Baganski. Decrypt.co, an NFT trader, was devastated on Friday to discover that a crypto punk he purchased for 77 ETH went up in smoke after he accidentally sent the pricey piece of digital art to a burn address. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 the poor little thing. Oh my God. Uh, Brandon Riley has a tweet out with his uh, uh with his punk, I guess. He says today I accidentally burned a crypto punk's NFT. Trying to wrap Punk 685. I was so focused on following the instructions exactly that I slipped up, destroying a third of my net worth in a single transaction. Yuga Labs, please sell me the V1 Punk 685 as a consolation. Burn addresses, which are digital wallets that don't have a private key, are one way gateways that can only receive assets like cryptocurrencies and NFTs. As a result, The NFT was permanently removed from circulation, preventing it from ever being traded or owned again. Brandon Riley, who purchased CryptoPunk number 685 two weeks ago, said he made an error when attempting to wrap the NFT to take a loan against it on Twitter. He told Decrypt he planned on posting CryptoPunk number 685 to nftfy.com, where he could earn a yield of around 7% per year. Nobody's learning anything. CryptoPunk number 685 was worth approximately $129,000 in Ethereum when it was acquired by Riley, according to the Ethereum Block Explorer EtherScan. Originally created back in 2017, Ooh, that's an early one. CryptoPunks is widely viewed as a blue chip collection on par with the likes of Yugo Labs' Bored Ape Yacht Club. With a market cap of over $1 billion, the cheapest CryptoPunk is worth just over $109,000 according to the NFT price floor. However, CryptoPunks were created before ERC-721 was established as a token standard for NFTs, making them incompatible. With some marketplaces and applications designed for decentralized finance, such as NFTFi.com. Using a guide he found online, Riley tried to wrap his punk as an ERC 721 token, creating a brand spanking new digital token that proved he owned CryptoPunk number 685, but would be compatible with NFTFi.com. But by inputting the wrong address, CryptoPunk 685 is now gone forever. And he goes on with a tweet. Brandon Riley says, "Uh, Please keep in mind that I'm not a dev, not at all familiar with these contracts, and don't really understand how wrapped punks work. The reality is that because I'm so unfamiliar, I should have had another set of eyes. In hindsight, it's very easy to see all of the mistakes I made. This is truly a devastating mistake for me. Heartbroken emoji. But I did this myself, and it is no one's fault but my own. Both the beauty and the curse of self-custody. Stay safe out there, everyone. And please be way more careful than I was. Thank you to so many of you for the kind words. Okay, Brandon. I mean, honestly, that's just inexcusable on your part because your initial mistake was what? Thinking NFTs were a thing. What was your second mistake? Thinking you are not the product of 7% annual yield. You are. Continuing, Riley's unfavorable situation is indicative. Of issues that face many in the digital assets industry due to the often complex and irreversible nature of transactions, and because there are no financial intermediaries involved, there's nothing Riley can do to get his lost CryptoPunk back, which he described as both the beauty and the curse of self custody. One Twitter user named NF Toga pointed out that the guide used by Riley has since been updated, including language that specifically warns people not to send CryptoPunks to wallets formatted as a burn address asking for some uh, somewhat of a reprieve. Riley asked Yuga Labs, which purchased the IP to CryptoPunks from Larva Labs last year, uh, if he could buy the version or the V1 version of CryptoPunk 685. CryptoPunks V2 was released after a bug was found in the original collection smart contract. Uh, Let's see if CryptoPunk says anything. Uh, In As CryptoPunk says, in the original CryptoPunk smart contract, there was a code error that caused Ethereum to be allocated to the buyer instead of the seller when a purchase was made. In other words, a buyer was immediately refunded for their purchase and was able to keep the punk. All right, that's a double spin right there. So that was apparently the bug in V1 or something like that. Anyway, Riley said that he has not yet heard back from Yuga Labs after tagging them in his post on Twitter and Yuga Labs did not immediately respond to requests for comment from Decrypt. Sometimes, NFTs aren't burned by accident, but rather as a way of making a statement. Last month, Jason Williams burned BAYC number 1626 worth 169000 at the time to symbolically shift the asset's underlying network from Ethereum to Bitcoin in the form of an inscription made through ordinals. That's the end of the article. Ladies and gentlemen. This is why I Bitcoin. And my biggest question in all this is not why he thought NFTs are worth anything and not why he was chasing yield after all the bullshit that we've seen. It's become very clear that you are the yield. In all of these cases, you are the yield because that yield's got to come from somewhere. Well, yeah, that's the yield. It's, It's you. And in chasing greed, And usurious opportunity—that's that's that's the name that the greatest or the richest man in Babylon. That's in like the very—I think that's in chapter ten or chapter nine, somewhere towards the end of the book—is when the guy's giving his advice to some other cat about how to make money and not lose it. At the same time, one of the things he said is, "Do not chase after usurious yields." When somebody says you're going to make a whole bunch of percentage points on your loan or whatever don't do it. And this is 5,000 year old advice. It's ancient advice. They knew this shit back then before they even had fucking electricity. They were just figuring out how not to poison themselves by making their own beer, right? And no, here we are 5,000 years later and the Babylonians' message just fell on deaf ears, and now this guy tried to wrap up his shit so that it would be compatible with the yield producing platform and lost his thing. No, it is none of that that I ask about. How the hell did he get a hold of a burn address? I mean, unless the only thing that I can think is that a particular burn address was included in the instructions of how to wrap your version one in a CryptoPunks NFT? Why would you put a burn address in the instructions? Now, I don't know if that's what happened, right? So take everything I say with a grain of salt when it comes to the analysis here. But if it wasn't included in the instructions, then how do you get a burn address? You have to put in the work and go search online for a burn address for Ethereum. Why would you do that? So that's what leads me to believe that the most obvious answer is that somehow, for whatever reason, and I can't fathom for the life of me why, that the burn address that he sent it to was included in the instructions, which makes me wonder: is it possible that that's not really a burn address at all? Now, again, take take that little conspiracy theory with a complete grain of salt, because I don't know and no. I'm not going to spend the time getting into the roots of the evil asshole that is the mother of all shit coins that is Ethereum, to go find out. It ain't worth my time. What is worth my time is to try to tell you again, if for whatever reason you're thinking about not buying Bitcoin and not holding Bitcoin, then you are the yield. It's as simple as that. If you walk outside those gates, there is no protection offered. And even inside the gates, if you lose your Bitcoin keys, you're screwed. I, I, and my heart goes out to you, but at least you tried. These guys, not even trying, not even trying. All right, so it looks like, moving on, looks like, a, looks like we're all saved. Everything is gonna be fine, guys. Don't worry. Banking system just fixed itself because first citizens, snaps up Silicon Valley bank and branches open today. The deal was announced yesterday. Felix Ng is writing it for Cointelegraph. North Carolina-based First Citizens Bank is set to acquire all deposits and loans of Silicon Valley bank according to a statement from the Federal Deposit and Insurance Corporation. Under the March 26th Purchase and Assumption Agreement, 17 former branches of Silicon Valley Bank will open as First Citizens Bank and Trust Company on Monday, March the 27th, that is today, and all Silicon Valley Bank depositors will automatically become depositors to First Citizens Bank. Quote, Today's transaction included the purchase of about $72 billion of Silicon Valley Bridges Bank National Association's assets at a discount of $16.5 billion, the FDIC said in a statement. I guess this is what Yellen and all of them were talking about over the weekend behind closed doors. Approximately $90 billion in securities and other assets will, will remain in the receivership for disposition by the FDIC, in addition, the FDIC received equity appreciation rights and First Citizens Bank shares incorporated common stock with a potential value of up to $500 million. The North Carolina-based bank is the 30th largest commercial bank in the United States with $167 billion in total assets under management and $119 billion in deposits as of March the 10th. Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. Yes, we know, we get it uh blah 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 let's see several firms were understood to have either been planning to or had submitted bids for the collapsed u.s banks uh bank first citizens was reported by bloomberg to have been planning the svb bid as early as march the 18th three days later it reportedly submitted said bid for all of svb at the time, First Citizen spokesperson declined to comment on market rumors or speculation. Well, that's, that's just good advice. Another regional bank, Valley National Bank Corp., is also understood to have submitted a bid for the collapsed bank. Meanwhile, Reuters reported on March the 24th that a third U.S. regional bank, Citizens Financial Group, had been preparing to submit an offer for SVB's private banking arm. So we're saved. Isn't that good news? Aren't you happy now? Everything's going to be fine. <coughs> yeah. Oh, man. Hold on. Coffee time. Ah. <sighs> Poison bean juice in the morning, y'all. All right. Enough of that shit. Let's get into let's get into the uh, Von Wong controversy. Who is Von Wong? Well, If you've been living under a rock, then uh, you probably have not seen the green skull of death that is the creation of this artist, an uh, an activist artist, specifically an environmental activist artist, Mr. Von Wong. And uh, it seems that Von Wong might be thinking he might have been misled, but that's just me reading between the lines. And what the hell am I talking about? Okay. Well, Let me just make sure you understand, Von Wong is a creator of Skull of Satoshi, the green skull with the glowing red or orange laser eyes with the cooling towers like nuclear power plant cooling towers on top of its head. I know you've seen it. Everybody's been talking about it. We completely, as Bitcoiners, we do what we always do. We usurp the very worst memes that, or the very worst narratives against Bitcoin turn them into a meme, totally fall in love with that meme, and therefore the prior art included in said meme, and make it totally, we totally own it. We totally own Skull of Satoshi now, 100%. Greenpeace has nothing at all to do with Skull of Satoshi any longer, and they may very well lose complete control of Mr. Von Wong. Why do I say that? Because he's got a Twitter thread, which I'm going to read from Knitter. That way, it doesn't make me and you completely sick that I'm still dealing with frickin' Twitter. Anyway, Von Wong says Thursday evening, I was sad. I had just spent six months pouring my heart and soul into building an amazing installation to inspire real change for something few seemed to care about. Then, Bitcoin Twitter noticed the skull of Satoshi and the roller coaster began. Here's my story, part one. I've been doing environmental project or art projects for years in parallel with organizations like Greenpeace calling out corporations and fighting single-use plastics. I create art installations with the hope to inspire and create change. For the first time, Greenpeace offered to commission an art installation from me and I was stoked. The piece was never meant to be anti-Bitcoin. It was an optimistic hope that Bitcoin could shift away from the needless burning of fossil fuels without losing all the other features that make Bitcoin safe, secure, and decentralized. I made the skull believing that Bitcoin mining was a simple black and white issue. I've spent my career, my entire career, trying to reduce real-world physical waste, and proof of work felt intuitively wasteful. Of course, I was wrong. Few things in the world are black and white. Dumb me. The last two days have been spent in private conversations with both Greenpeace and uh, pro-environmental Bitcoiners like Level39, the Troco, DS Batten. I've discovered a whole new world of initiatives that fill me with hope. The Skull of Satoshi is a phenomenal accident. It represents literally What both sides believe to be true, that Bitcoin has the potential to be more environmentally friendly, a force for good in the environment. Greenpeace believes that human ingenuity and innovation will prevail and that a better version of Bitcoin exists in the future that has all the upsides and none of the environmental downsides. Bitcoiners believe that Bitcoin will never change its code unless an existential risks exist for the network. Instead of fighting it, join it and improve it from within, work within the system of existing incentives, make the system more sustainable. There are people on both sides who believe that the other is naively optimistic, misguided and misinformed, but here's what really gets me excited. The only solution that can win is the best one anyway. Rather than fighting each other, prove the other wrong. If BTC miners help to invest in renewables like wind and solar to move the world off of a reliance of fossil fuels, then the GP campaign will have nothing to run on. If Bitcoin wants to take down USA's campaign, tweeting won't make a difference. But transitioning BTC mining from coal and making initiatives like v- uh, Vespine, underscore energy, crypto climb ACC and sustainable BTC irresistible and mainstream might with the right support responsible miners might be able to crowd out miners who don't make the environment a priority. I know I know you're well I'll I'll do an analysis I promise I promise hold on let me just get through it I'm excited to learn from the bitcoin community on how we can make this happen and trend bitcoin toward becoming co2 negative by the end of the decade The Skull of Satoshi has taken on a life of its own and is now completely out of my control. In the real world, GP will use it as a symbol for why Bitcoin needs to change its code. Online, it's become a mascot for Bitcoin's environmental potential, and I love that. In the meantime, I will continue to learn and focus on becoming a bridge wherever I can. Right now, I'm trying to figure out what it would take for Greenpeace to bring the Skull of Satoshi to the Bitcoin Conference and engage in a good faith debate. At the end of the day, I'm not driven by profit. I'm driven by the desire to make a difference. So many of you have offered to send me tips, but that would make it seem like I'm just trying to profit from this unexpected fame and status. Keep calm, meme on, and long live the skull of Satoshi. Yes, I know what you're saying. Let me give it to you. Let me give it to you from my perspective when I'm, when I'm reading this. I think that fundamentally what's going on with this gentleman is three things. I think he's a genuine human. I think he genuinely actually believes in climate change, and that it's bad and that it's going to kill us all and that he can use his skills and his visions to make a difference. He truly, fundamentally believes that. Therefore, he is genuine, and that's my opinion. I may be wrong, but I don't think so. Two, and this is where his problem remains at this point, is that he thinks that Greenpeace USA is genuine like he is. And that's where he's wrong. That's what he doesn't understand yet. And three, he is a hair's breadth away from becoming a Bitcoiner, falling fully down the rabbit hole and realizing a whole bunch of stuff. And some of that stuff, actually, quite a bit of that stuff, if he does fall down, if he goes down the hole, he's going to realize just how much he's been lied to. Now, if you look at the skull of Satoshi as an art piece, as an installation, as the the thing, without understanding that Ripple bribed Greenpeace USA to throw their reputation into the fire and then use the money to hire this dude to create the piece as an anti-Bitcoin statement, if you remove that, which hard as it is to do, but if you try and remove that from the equation and just look at the skull close up. Like there's all manner of pictures of this thing as he was creating. It. It's made out of computer boards, molded fiberglass computer boards. That's some hard shit to do, guys. what I mean, he's got to like heat that shit up. He's got to remold it. It's got the chip set in it. It's got all the stuff. And then he's got to make it look like a skull. And it's honestly... The color coordination between the Bitcoin orange and the fiberboard green is a a match made in heaven from color theory. So the color theory works for humans. It's a big piece. So that means he put in a lot of work. Proof of work is already substantially demonstrated here. And it's a good piece. It is. It's a good piece of art. Now, a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people won't like what I say about this. But too bad. It's my show. I get to say what the hell I want. I like it. What I like most about it is the fact that we as Bitcoiners took it to this level. If we had ignored it, this thing would have died on the vine. Von Wong would have not realized anything from it. He would have had no fame. He would have had no success. It was Bitcoin and the people behind it, me, you, and all of our little friends, we made this piece what it is. It's us. It's not people the the ETH crew. It ain't Ripple. It ain't Brad Garland. It ain't those idiots at Greenpeace that are, you know, have no reputation left. And and let's be clear. This is Greenpeace USA. None of the other facets of Greenpeace fell in for this shit, as far as I know. Maybe they have since then, but this was. This was a, a an unholy union made by Greenpeace USA, which is different from Greenpeace International or Greenpeace New Zealand or Greenpeace Australia. This was Greenpeace USA in collaboration with those assholes, Chris Larson and Brad Garlinghouse. I don't know what I called them before, but those dudes over there at Ripple, all right? That, it was just them. And they're trying to move Bitcoin into this proof of stake model, which is never going to happen. And they've never put in any work at all. So we basically just roast them. This guy showed us actual, real work. And what did we do? We lifted this son of a bitch as high on an art pedestal as we could get him. And we now own Skull of Satoshi. Congratulations. We've taken this thing and we've completely turned it around and we did it within what? 24 hours. That's how fast it moves. When you put... Your mind together with all the minds, the like-mindedness of the bubble that we exist in, that is Bitcoin, massive sea changes can happen. And we saw just a fraction of that here. We turned a relatively unknown artist into a superstar overnight. He's now in all kinds of magazines. They're talking about him everywhere. We did that, you and I. You should be proud of yourself. When I say congratulations, it's not a dig. I'm genuinely proud of everybody who said, you know what, this was an anti-Bitcoin piece, but we saw the value in it. Not the value of turning it to our uses, but the value of the proof of work. We liked the color combination. We liked its size. We liked the materials it was made of. And it's a good piece of art. And we bought it. We bought it at auction. And every billionaire in the land was raising their paddles but the auctioneer sold it to us because we had what? We had the winning bid. This dude, he's going to find out. Von Wong's going to find out that he got played. That's, this is my estimation. He's going to find out that he got played. And I think he's going to find out he got played when, and this is also a prediction, Greenpeace USA agrees and takes the skull of Satoshi to as an art installation to Bitcoin 2023 in Miami. And during that conference, Von Wong is going to figure it out and he is going to turn right there. And the change the code thing, which is nothing to begin with, honestly, it's, it's over. But all you g- ladies and gentlemen that are going to Bitcoin 2023, you keep track of Von Wong and where he is and you go find that dude you be nice to him. And you tell him your version of why it is Greenpeace USA and Ripple and Brad Garlinghouse and Chris Larson came together to basically pull the wool over this gentleman's eyes and try to usurp his talents for methods of evil. You know, don't sound like that. Don't give him a Jesus preach, you know, be be cool about it and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's not like, you know, the evildoers like George W. Bush was was pushing out on us in the axis of evil. But you you get where I'm coming from. He's going to turn. You can be part of that. Now, let's see who else has turned. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, let's do this one. Matt O'Dell. I'm so disappointed. Oh, oh, never thought in a million years I never thought in a million years. This one's coming out of the Bitcoin bugle, and our good friend Max Shaft is writing it. Matt O'Dell accidentally tweets from alt account, revealed to be living top G lifestyle in shocking, a shocking turn of events. Matt O'Dell, the renowned Bitcoin educator and advocate, has been exposed as a top G living a double life of extravagance and debauchery thanks to a tweet from his alt account that accidentally made its way onto his main odell has long been an icon in the bitcoin community known for his popular catchphrase stay humble and stack sats but it appears that behind the scenes he was living a life of excess surrounded by fast cars loose women and exotic trips Odell's longtime podcast co-host and friend Marty Bent expressed his shock and disappointment in a statement saying, quote, I always thought Matt was a genuine down-to-earth guy who cared deeply about spreading the message of Bitcoin, but now it seems like he was only in it for the money and the lifestyle. He would always talk me off the edge when I wanted to go full Marty Jones, but now it looks like those days are over. I can't believe the lizard people got him, quote. Meanwhile, Rod, Odell's business partner in Nashville's Bitcoin Park revealed his own surprise at the news. Quote, I always thought Matt was going to Costa Rica to help undeserved communities, but now it looks like he was in Monaco with high-end escorts and gambling. I feel betrayed, disillusioned, and just a little confused about where he got all those handcrafts from. End quote. The revelation has rocked the Bitcoin community to its core with many questioning how they could have been so wrong about Matt Odell. Some have even called for him to step down from his public role as a Bitcoin educator and advocate. The news of Odell's secret life has also brought to light his extravagant spending habits. Oh my God. According to news sources close to the matter, Odell frequently spent tens of thousands of dollars on luxury cars, private jets, high-end hotels, always under a pseudonym. One private jet pilot we interviewed stated, quote, I guess I just never asked the question, who is this skinny bearded dude showing up for flights with principal ballerinas from Joffrey and two of the Spice Girls? I thought he was some obscure porn star or something, not a freedom and human rights advocate, end quote. In a series of tweets that have now since been deleted, Odell attempted to explain his debauchery, claiming that, quote, you guys have no idea how hard it is to hodl for multiple cycles and not even have a chair to sit on in your fucking apartment. I was just ready to let loose a little and got in a bit over my head, end quote. However, his attempts at damage control have only served further damage. His reputation among the Bitcoin faithful with one Twitter follower writing quote, thanks asshole. I've been waiting for six years driving this shitty accord while you've been out there living it up End quote, the fallout from the scandal has been widespread <clears throat> with many in the community questioning the true motives of other prominent Bitcoin figures. Some have even gone so far as to speculate that the entire movement is nothing more than a front for a group of wealthy elites looking to get even richer. As for Odell, he's gone radio silent in the wake of the scandal, leaving his once loyal followers to wonder what will become of the Bitcoin movement now that its most prominent advocate has been revealed as a fraud, I tell you, a fraud. In the end, it seems that the adage, quote, stay humble and stack sats, was nothing more than a hollow platitude for Odell, a cover for a life of excess and indulgence that has left many in the Bitcoin community feeling disillusioned and betrayed. You know what? You know what we need for Odell? Yeah, come and take it. Let's get it going on, Matt Odell. All right. That is a complete fabrication. I read it to you because it's funny. And it was meant to be funny. It's a satire piece. And I just wanted to make sure that I deliver the news that Matt O'Dell is not hanging out in fast cars with loose women. As far as I know, he's married or very close to becoming married. And he wants a family and children. And he doesn't really do anything other than look for new cabins in the woods to go stay at via Airbnb and have to deal with shitty Wi-Fi. That's... That's the Matt O'Dell that we all know and love. So anybody who took this piece seriously, it's okay, you can laugh at yourself. Don't feel bad, don't feel remorseful. If you said something bad, go apologize because none of this is true. But it is goddamn funny. But this isn't funny. The CFTC is suing Binance and CZ over willful evasion of US laws unregistered crypto derivatives products. Oh, this is not a, this is not a farce. This is happening. This is probably why Bitcoin is kind of dumping today, but Bitcoin will always come back. And, 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 and here this, the only suppression move the United States governments and the rest of the world's governments has is to pull this bullshit. That's the only thing that's what they have. Jerome Powell's got one lever left that works and that's interest rates. As far as Bitcoin is concerned, the only thing that they can do is file a lawsuit against an exchange. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the only ammunition they have. And if that's the only ammunition they have, they're going to run out of ammo soon. I guarantee it. By the way, this is written by who? Nicholas Day, Jack Schickler, Oliver Knight, Jesse Hamilton, and Cheyenne Ligon for Coindesk. The United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission, CFTC, sued crypto exchange Binance and founder Peng Zhao on Monday over allegations the company knowingly offered unregistered crypto derivative products in the United States against federal law. The lawsuit filed in the United States District Court of the Northern District of Illinois. Oh, thank God. It's not the Southern District of New York. It's actually a different state this time. Holy shit. Let's get it rolling on. Northern District of Illinois on Monday alleged that Binance operated a derivatives trading operation in the United States offering trades for cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin and a whole bunch of different shitcoins, and Binance USD or BUSD, which the suit referred to as commodities. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this is correct. I'm going to just stop right here and say that Bitcoin is, has always been considered by the CFTC as a commodity and is fine and is not, unless they were offering a derivative on BTC. And I don't know. If you guys know of a derivative offering by Binance, uh, a derivative of BTC, actual uh, physical Bitcoin that I am unaware of, please, please, please let me know so I can correct so I can correct myself here because I'm saying that the inclusion of Bitcoin in this list of shit is actually not proper, but be that as it may, let's let's move on. <clears throat> the suit also alleged that the company under CZ's leadership directed its employees to spoof their locations through the use of virtual private networks. The CFTC is charging Binance with violating laws around offering futures transactions quote, illegal off-exchange commodities options and failing to register as a futures commissions merchant as well as designated contract market to swap execution facility, poorly supervising its business. Is that illegal? (laughs) Not implementing know-your-customer or anti-money laundering processes and having poor anti-evasion programming. The price of Bitcoin fell around $1,000 after the lawsuit was first filed, while Binance's exchange token, BNB, fell about 3%. Crypto-related stocks also fell after the suit was published. According to the CFTC, the global exchange, which has a U.S. affiliate in Binance.us, created a system to hide its true reach and operations, quote, Binance's reliance on a maze of corporate entities to operate the Binance platform is deliberate. It is designed to obscure the ownership control and location of the Binance platform, the filing said, adding that Zhao answers to no one but himself." End quote. In a press release, CFTC Chief Counsel Gretchen Lowe called Binance's actions, willful evasion of United States law, welcome to the law, pointing, to internal chats and emails. Oh, emails. Moreover, the suit alleged Binance directed customers in the United States to use a variety of methods to evade restrictions on US-based customers. Oh, Binance has instructed U.S. customers to evade such controls by using virtual private networks to conceal their true locations. VPNs have the effect of masking an internet user's true IP address. VPN used by customers to access and trade on the Binance platform has been an open secret and Binance has consistently been aware of and encouraged the use of VPNs by United States customers. The company directed important customers, such as trading firms, to set up shell companies. That's right. Shell companies. Shell companies. Sorry, I'm saying that three or four times because I'm looking for something. Uh, uh, Shell companies in places such as New Jersey, the British Virgin Islands, and the Netherlands. No, I'm sorry. Jersey, not New Jersey. Jersey the British Virgin Islands and the Netherlands to avoid restrictions, the filing said, to escape restrictions and was fully aware of the scale of its United States business. Quote, Binance knew, they knew that U.S. customers continued to compromise a substantial proportion of Binance's customer base, the filing said, citing internal monthly reports sent to Zao, which said that even as of June, 2020, after controls had supposedly been implemented, 17.8% of its customers were based in the United States. That's almost a fifth of their entire platform's customers, ladies and gentlemen. Yikes. The filing pointed to internal chats between Binance employees, including Samuel Lim, the exchange's chief compliance officer, the chief compliance officer through January 2022, who is also a defendant, where Lim appeared to direct an employee to ask U.S. customers to hide their location. Quote, On the surface, we cannot be seen to have U.S. users, but in reality, we should get them through other creative means, Lim allegedly said. The suit also alleged, The exchange was well aware that sanctioned entities and individuals from sanctioned regions were trading on its platform, sharing chat logs where Lim said that, quote, terrorists usually send small sums that are barely enough to purchase weapons with. He said other customers were here for crime, according to the lawsuit. Binance directly tasked an employee to be a money laundering reporting officer or an MLRO to write a report claiming its compliance audit was stringent to hide how Port's compliance program actually was from business partners like Paxos, the suit alleges. Quote, as part of the audit, the Binance employee who held the title of money laundering reporting officer lamented that she needed to write a fake annual MLOR report to Binance board of directors. What the fuck? She says literally WTF, the suit says. Lim, who was aware that Binance did not have a board of directors? Nevertheless, assured her, "Yeah, it's fine. I can get management to sign off on the fake report." End quote. This is damning evidence if this is all true. The officer said in 2020 that they, oh my God, I'm, let me just read this. The officer said in 2020 that they has no confidence in our geofencing. The suit said has no confidence and it's spelled H-A-Z. May I has more hamburger? <laughs> it's a meme, it's an inter office meme, oh my God. The CFTC is asking the court to enjoin Binance from further violations of the Commodity Exchange Act, as well as civil monetary penalties, trading and registration bans and disgorgement. A Binance spokesperson told CoinDesk that they would respond shortly. Zhao, the founder of the exchange tweeted, four, the number four, referencing a previous tweet where he had said that would mean to ignore FUD, fake news, attacks, etc. cetera, end quote. In listing the CEO as a defendant, the suit alleges that he was the direct or indirect owner of entities that have engaged in proprietary trading activity on the Binance platform and was likewise the direct or indirect owner of approximately 300 separate Binance accounts that engaged in prop trading on the Binance trading platform. The suit was likely expected by Binance because in February the exchange's chief strategy officer Patrick Hillman admitted that Binance was being investigated by multiple regulators and expected to pay fines to make amends for past regulatory violations. According to the suit, Binance employees, including Zhao, used the Signal app with an auto-delete functionality to communicate with each other. The suit implied that the CFTC has access to the CEO's phone, saying it was able to collect Signal text chains and group chats from it. Hold on. Let's read that sentence again. You might have gotten distracted by the little kitty cat in the tree while you're driving to work or driving to lunch or something like that. So let's hold on to your butts. The lawsuit implied that the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC, had access to Changpeng Zhao's telephone, saying that it was able to directly connect signal text chains and group chats from it. The CFTC somehow has access to CZ's phone. What the? The CFTC? The FBI? department of justice the cia i could see that the cftc dude that scares the living piss out of me does the sec can the sec tap my phone what about the nasdaq can what does it go as far down to the actual exchanges that are legacy exchanges in, in, in the modern world do they get to tap a phone holy shit, y'all. I don't know what to do with it. So I'm just going to go into this other allegation, tokens as commodities. By identifying so many major tokens as commodities in the complaint, the CFTC may be staking out new ground in the jurisdictional question at the heart of the United States crypto sector. Who is responsible for overseeing crypto trading? For its part, the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, has made its view clear that most tokens are actually securities, and Chair Gary Gensler often says that every crypto token apart from Bitcoin seems to fit that definition. CFTC officials have often suggested that Bitcoin and Ether, are likely commodities, but they're additionally maintaining that Litecoin and the stablecoins Tether and BUSD are as well. The SEC has previously suggested that BUSD is a security and a Wells notice sent to Paxos. Gensler, has specifically suggested that proof-of-stake tokens, a category now including Ether, are securities that should be registered and regulated by the SEC, but the agency hasn't yet pursued enforcement actions to set that view in stone, and United States legislation that may offer a more permanent answer is still remote. CFTC Chair Rostin Beham had promised last month that his agency would pursue a strong year of precedent-setting cases, and... He's also been pushing for Congress to more securely set up the CFTC as a leading watchdog for crypto trading in the United States. After the collapse of the FTX exchange, U.S. lawmakers said they're eager to move forward on bills to address the largely unregulated crypto sector. Some of them have been focusing specific concern on Binance. Earlier this month, U.S. senators, including Senator Elizabeth Warren, sent a letter to Zhao calling his company a hotbed of illegal financial activity that has facilitated over $10 billion in payments to criminals and sanctioned evaders and saying it's been marked by increasingly disturbing allegations regarding the legality of its operations. Lawmakers demanded information about the company, its structure, and its balance sheets. In the absence of former rival FTX, the industry has been left with a shorter list of major exchanges on which to do business led globally by Binance. Another of the most prominent in the United States, Coinbase, is similarly facing regulatory scrutiny from the SEC, which has warned the exchange that a significant enforcement action is likely, uh, is likely on the way. If United States regulators seek to shut both Binance and Coinbase down for violating securities and commodities laws, there's little reason to expect the same accusations wouldn't be leveled at their smaller competitors for conducting the same types of activity. Wow. So this is, y'all yeah, say it. It's not good. But Bitcoin, first of all, Bitcoin doesn't give a shit. My node is not turned off. My node is still functioning. I'm never turning off my node. They can go fuck themselves. But moreover, I want to reiterate that this is the, this is the only weaponry that it, well, it looks like this is the only weaponry they have is to go after exchanges. I highly recommend that you look into HODL, HODL, H-O-D-L, H-O-D-L, and BISQ, B-I-S-Q. I think I need to start taking a harder look at this shit myself because we're, you know, what about Cash App? What about River? Uh, what about Swan Bitcoin? I mean, are they next? hopefully not. I mean, I, I, certainly hope not, but they seem to be that we are definitively in the, they fight you stage. Right? So yeah. Yeah. Just be careful, be aware and get all, get all of your shit off of exchanges and stop being the yield for other people. Let's run the numbers. CNBC Futures and Commodities got West Texas Intermediate up over four full points, seventy-two dollars and eight cents per barrel. Brent North Sea likewise up three point six one percent to seventy-seven point seven dollars. So that's like a striper boost. Oh, it just hit seventy-seven point six eight. Oh well, whatever. Natural gas, however, wow, low. after a 6.14% drop. Wow, 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 wow. Gasoline has spiked three and a half points to the upside, $2.68 a gallon. All of your shiny metal rocks are sucking swamp water. Gold is down one and a half points to $1,954.60. Silver's down almost a full point to $23.13. Platinum down over a point. Copper is up scant. Palladium is down almost half a point. Ag is mostly up. Biggest winner today is cotton, 3.85% to the upside. Biggest loser is coffee, one and a half to the down. I got Dow up, oh, 0.64%. S&P is up 0.15%. NASDAQ has actually dropped a lot, 0.87% for today. S&P mini is up almost a full point. Fuck them all. Let's talk about real money at $27,118.20. That's after a measly 261,000 Bitcoin have changed hands in the last 24 hours with an average transaction value of 0.87 BTC, a median transaction value of 0.01 BTC, which is low. That's $271.98 and block time's low as well. Really low, like eight minutes and 56 seconds low, like a full minute off of its 10 minute mark. Holy shit. What's going on? 0.14 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. 23.2 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And with a 3.27 or 2.1% drop in hash rate, we're down to 335 exahashes per second guys. And we're still, I don't know. Uh, you know what? Tired of figuring that one out. Your shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin at 7.2 United States pennies. So that tells you what the rest of the uh, stupid crew is doing. We got a $523.2 billion market capitalization. That is merely 3.97% of gold's entire market cap. And if you so choose, you may purchase 13.7 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin of which there are $19 million 329,699.46 of 5,386.75 of those are locked in the lightning network valued at a mere $145.8 million being run over 16,377 nodes sporting 75,105 payment channels that we can see and 67.5% of all that shit's being run over tours, associated 11,635. <clears throat> Uh, excuse me, Tor nodes. There are, in fact, 28,986 transactions waiting on 71 blocks to clear. Let's get mempool.space up here to corroborate. And what does it say? No, it's 44,000 transactions waiting on 154 blocks to clear. And by the way, mempools are pur- purging currently anything sub 3.09 satoshis per vbyte. Uh, no priority fees are eight Satoshis per vbyte. Low priority fees are 10. Medium priority are 14. And high priority transactions, you should probably <clears throat> tag with a 17 Satoshi per vbyte transaction fee, which will cost you, if you're using SegWit and you've got a normal transaction, about 65 cents. Let's see, what else we got on Clark Moody's dashboard? Oh yeah, a 5.7% estimated difficulty change is expected on April the 5th, 2023. That's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the boosts you can use. First one up from yesterday's or Friday's show, Bubba with 20,000 sats. Dude, thank you, Bubba. Miss you, man. Really do. The Fed and banks holding Bitcoin will be a huge attack vector. Large sell, OFGS, maybe orgs, to cause a crash to show it's too volatile. That's my 20,000 sats worth of an opinion. And he's not wrong. Fat Toshi with a row of sticks, 11,111 sats. It's also a palindrome, says, dude, <laughs> uh, Dabowski with a boob donation says with 8,000,008 sat says, just saw my boost yesterday, popped an error. And then Pitar says that Peter fixed it. Or, no, not Peter. Pitar said that Oscar fixed it. And Pitar with a striper boost, 7,777 sat says, I predict their efforts. To deny people access to Bitcoin through traditional banking payments will only serve to increase its desirability. Something akin to the Streisand effect. Absolutely right. Uh, user with a shit ton of numbers says 4,000 SAT with 4,000 SAT says no boost. No. Well, I, I got boost now. Uh, there I went back and yeah, there's boost now. Uh, user with a shit ton of numbers again with 4,000 says no boost yet. I guess he's having the same problem where they're not seeing their boost uh, pop up and propagate. I think Fountain might've had some hiccups over the weekend and possibly all the way from last Thursday. Nick underscore dose with 3,333. Satoshi says, cheers. Uh, wartime Psycho with elite sat uh, amount of sats. That's 1,337 sats, just with a heart emoji. Fatoshi with a row of sticks, small row of sticks says, When you think about how how to secure your Bitcoin, you need to think about threat models. Who's coming after your coins and how sophisticated and persistent are they? Opportunistic opportunistic maid, solicitor, bank security, box clerk, local thugs who attend your meetup, script kiddies, or a 6102 style government action. Thank you for your service. You've been a good hodler. Now hand it over. If you want to hold for five plus years, I give that last one a significant non-zero chance. Ah, he's right. You got to figure out your threat model. He's right. But I'm not sure about this very last sentence. I've been able to hold over five years. So I get the feeling that that's the way that I'm taking it is not the way he meant. So I'll just stop it from right there. Fatoshi, by the way, uh, gives another one that says, by the way, I thought you and your chads or chards would be interested to know, I put my fountain.fm lightning address into Amethyst and it works. Oh shit, no shit. I can get zaps in Noster, then use them for boost in fountain. Circular value for value, baby, in the fountain wallet, non, is the fountain wallet non-custodial? No, it's custodial, but unless you're planning on keeping your life savings in there, honestly, I, I, I honestly wouldn't worry about it. Got 20 bucks to do boost with? Yeah, that's fine. I don't know why everybody loses their mind over non-custodial or, uh, custodial versus non-custodial on, on amounts of money that aren't going to change your life. Would I keep my entirety of cold storage on to, on fountain? Are you insane? No, of course not. But dude, guys, calm down. Uh, Fatoshi with the final one says fountain won't let me copy text from the show notes. So hard to find you on Noster. Oh, oh shit okay fatoshi if you're listening to this one go to soundcloud look up bitcoin and uh space dot space dot space dot space dot you can do that one on fountain too you got to put the spaces a true ellipses which is those the dot 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 part of the name that's what's called an ellipses and it's used basically it's used to say it's something further coming some people use it as a pause in their writing to elicit a pause. But generally speaking, it's like the way that I use it is the way that I think it's correctly used is Bitcoin and pause other things and where the ellipses represents other things. But it's space, dot, space, dot, space, dot. Those spaces are ASCII characters. I picked a terrible name for the website or for the, uh, for the name of the show. I get it. But you can go to SoundCloud or research me with Bitcoin and space dot space dot space dot it will come up it just won't be the very first one, I think it's number 12 on the list, something like that, you can also go to fountain.fm on like a web browser, whether mobile or static or, or desktop, and go to charts. I, right now I think I'm charting number 9 again. Thank you because this is all of you guys. I didn't I can't chart myself. I I and I I can't prove that I don't boost myself or stream to myself. You guys got to you trust me and you're supposed to verify, I don't trust. I get that, but there's no way to verify that. There's literally you'd have to you'd have to be a monkey on my shoulder for like four straight months to understand that I don't do I don't engage in that shit. So I'm charting and I know that it's all because of you. So if you go to charts you and spin down, I think I'm number nine or 10 or something like that right now. I haven't checked this morning, but you can find me there, do that. And you can get, you, you, maybe you can get, get it from there. And then my in pubs, if you really need the in pubs, you can get um, the in pub stuff off of going to SoundCloud, which is where I directly host, where I directly host, the RSS feed. That's where the RSS feed is built from. Okay, so that's what stores all the shit, including all the show notes. And as far as I know, that they will let you uh, copy copy my uh, inpub from text. All right, now let's let's get on with the rest of the show here. We got MicroStrategy. Yes, sir. They've repaid their Silvergate loan, and they spend 150 million dollars buying what? More Bitcoin. Stacey Elliott from Decrypt.co, software company MicroStrategy, the largest corporate holder of Bitcoin, has fully repaid the $161 million outstanding balance on its $205 million loan from Silvergate Bank. By doing so, the company has ended its credit agreement with Silvergate and reclaimed. The 34,619 Bitcoin that was being held as collateral against the loan according to an SEC commission or an SEC filing. Pausing. Pausing. Let's let's look at this for a sec. Are you telling me that you allowed Michael Saylor and, and MicroStrategy that you allowed? Silvergate to actually hold your full complement of bitcoin, I don't know if that is their full complement of Bitcoin, and I'm not going to look because I don't want to interrupt too much, but holy shit, are you insane? How was it held? Was it multi sig i How was it not part of bankrupt? I mean I just i I'm baffled I'm baffled by this, so somebody who is familiar with the with the matter could you please tell me what the hell they were doing by letting Silvergate have any functionality over their cold storage. This, that's disturbing like a son of a bitch. Anyway, in the same filing, MicroStrategy also disclosed that between February the 16th and March the 23rd that it spent $150 million acquiring 6,455 more BTC. The software company made headlines last year. Yes, we know. MicroStrategy and its subsidiaries now. Oh, okay. Now, okay, here it is. I've answered my own question by just reading on. That's the nature of a cold read. Sometimes you you get screwed that way I and mean, whatever. MicroStrategy and its subsidiaries now own a total of 138,955 BTC. The company says it paid an aggregate price of 4.14 billion dollars to acquire its stash and at today's prices its holdings are worth 3.8 billion, so not terrible, but you know, it's still they're still down and they it's amazing. Michael Sailor and MicroStrategy announced today that for the last, since February, they've been acquiring Bitcoin that would have been good prices. And what happens? Binance gets sued and Bitcoin loses $1,000 off of its price on the same day. Michael, stop telling us about shit you're doing. It's wreck it, everybody. The bank's parent company, Silvergate Capital, announced on March 8th that it would voluntarily wind down operations despite disclaimers that MicroStrategy's loan terms would be unchanged by the bank's trouble. MSTR shares, which trade on NASDAQ, took a temporary tumble and they closed at $232.72 on March the 8th, but had fallen 17 17- percent to 192 two days later when Silicon Valley bank announced that it had been placed in receivership by California state banking regulators on Monday morning after the pre-market announcement MicroStrategy prepaying its Silvergate loan or well I guess repaying this they they're writing prepaying whatever MSTR shares were trading at 260 bucks up one percent from their close last week meanwhile MicroStrategy founder and chairman and Bitcoin Maxi, Michael Saylor, has been adamantly touting his favorite digital asset and dunking on banks. I wish he'd be doing that on Noster. Can you guys get him to come over to Noster, please? I miss him. Uh, since the shuttering of Silvergate, Silicon Valley Bank, and Signature Bank earlier this month, he's thrice shared a chart On Twitter, showing Bitcoin's performance compared to the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, gold, bonds, and silver. Quote, Bitcoin is a bank that can't lend out, invest, gamble, dilute, debase, freeze, or seize your assets, he wrote on Twitter. It works all of the time, everywhere in the world, and is unstoppable. And it looks like MicroStrategy might be unstoppable, too. Nobody knew who this company was before, what, three years ago? with that summer, three years ago, when Michael Saylor started buying Bitcoin in mass. I didn't know who Michael Saylor was, never knew, even he had a best-selling book about the mobile revolution, never even saw it, didn't know who Michael Saylor was, never heard of MicroStrategy, never seen a MicroStrategy product in my life, and now I know almost more about that company than I did about Oracle, which I, whose products I have touched. And if you're alive and you use a computer, you've touched an Oracle product, even if you don't know it. Okay, moving on to Belgrade or Belgrad, depending on how you pronounce it. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not from there. Bitcoin Magazine Plumski is writing this one. Why we opened the Belgrade Bitcoin Hub. As Bitcoin adoption grows at an unprecedented rate for a new technology, Bitcoiners are setting up physical locations around the world where enthusiasts can work and play in group atmospheres. We should probably, uh, this is me saying, maybe we should call places like uh, Bitcoin Park in Nashville and the Bitcoin Commons in Austin. Maybe we should call them theaters of operation. Just to, I know, I probably triggered all the Jason Lowry haters I'm not a big fan of Jason Lowry either, but for some reason, theater just sounds better. I don't, whatever. Uh, For those of us taking part in this Bitcoin renaissance period, it has been a great joy to watch the Bitcoin beat success story in El Salvador that likely resulted in the countrywide adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender. Since such projects are numerous in Africa, Central, and South America, Bitcoiners living in Eastern Europe have watched these developments with intrigue. And added to that is the fact that Eastern Europe is economically underdeveloped compared to its Western European counterpart, pausing to remind everybody that I've been trying to remind everybody all the time that I don't give a shit about the West and its adoption of Bitcoin. They don't fucking care. Central America, South America, Africa, Eastern European countries, Baltics, Balkans, shit like that. That's what's going to be the new world market. They're going to own the world because the West is too blindsided and too egotistical and too filled with hubris and everybody's unhealthy because you've poisoned the citizenry around the West with what? Bare crop science. My money's on Latin America, Africa, Eastern European, Baltics, Balkans, and some other scattered around. But honestly, when you add add up the land mass and the the population of the countries that I just mentioned, that's a fuck ton of people. Anyway, inspired by what we saw in other parts of the world, a small group of Bitcoiners centered in the Serbian capital of Belgrade recently opened a Bitcoin hub where we want to welcome visitors from around the world. Belgrade is a city that lies at the confluence of two great European rivers, the Danube and the Sava the apex of which is marked by the great Kalamegdan fortress. This defensive fortress, oh God, he's going for citadel theory here, has withstood the test of time for over 15 centuries, bearing witness to battles too numerous to count. The history of Belgrade and the Serbian people as a whole have been a turbulent one. Having the misfortune of being located at the center of the geopolitically important Balkan peninsula, Often on the border of two rivaling Eurasian empires, its people have been fighting for their independence from foreign influence throughout their entire history. Although it's hard to estimate, history suggests that Belgrade has been destroyed and rebuilt over 40 times. That's four zero, four tens, 40 times throughout its 17th century existence. 17 centuries, guys. 40 times been destroyed and rebuilt. These people are fucking tenacious. That's all I got to say about them. Despite this, or perhaps because of it, Belgrade has always been the economic and artistic center of the region, as well as a home for people of all races, faiths, and denominations. Today, Belgrade is once again undergoing an important historical transition period. During the 1990s, civil wars took place in Croatia and Bosnia, republics of former Yugoslavia, culminating in the NATO bombing of Serbia and its capital city in 1999, and about 15 years of economic isolation from the Western world. Although the transformation is not fully complete, Belgrade is reemerging as a vibrant cultural epicenter of the region, much like the mosaic of architectural styles visible in the city's buildings, ranging from communist style, soulless heaps of gray concrete intermingled with wonderful old secessionist buildings adorned with ornamental facades. Its street fronts are a collage of mom and pop owned modest businesses clashing with modern boutiques and glass clad office buildings. Gone are the days when food options in the city's restaurants were limited solely to Balkan traditional cuisine. Now, poke, sushi, Chinese and Indian food, burger joints, and American-style diners are all on the menu for the city's residents. Contributing to the metamorphosis of the city's cultural fabric is also a noticeable shift in the residents who make up its population. Do, sorry, excuse me, hold on. Perhaps due to the relatively low cost of living compared to other world capitals or Serbia's generally lax pandemic restrictions or the political uncertainty that seems to have gripped the Western world as of late, I have seen that a once heavily immigrating city has been welcoming back a large segment of its old population and a sizable inpouring of digital nomads that now call this place home. In Serbian, the term in it INAT. Inat. I guess we'll go with Inat. A historically defining characteristic of its people can be loosely translated as resilience. This mindset is ingrained in the population which time and again rebuilds its homes on the heels of destructive periods to their former glory to the dismay of invading armies, occupiers and detractors because Inat. Oh, I I feel a meme. I feel a meme being born. As a result of years of unfulfilled promises from regional politicians, people of the Balkans are hard to convince about the long-term benefits that can be realized by adopting Bitcoin into one's life. A low-time preference way of life to most people in this region is associated with disappointment and the lower standards of living that have happened many times before. Promises of quick riches, especially ones that suggest there is no associated risk whatsoever, is much more preferable for many. And thus, the power of the shitcoin narrative has sadly thrived in this region as cryptocurrency and blockchain marketing schemes gripped the world at large to those of us who grew up in this part of the world. It's a dark comedy that, for instance, the Celsius bankruptcy affected our country as well. Like an exaggerated piece of irony from an Emmer Sturica movie, when the dust around this company's disastrous financial collapse finally settled, legal documents revealed that several entities associated with the Serbian government were listed as creditors to this well-known Ponzi scheme. (laughs) My, in general, Bitcoin only companies and projects are hard to find here, but a growing community of Balkan Bitcoiners are imagining a different world of financial freedom to their compatriots. And much like Belgrade, many times before, my personal life is undergoing a restructuring period. On my travels through the Bitcoin rabbit hole, I have met many people who are redesigning their lives around this paradigm-shifting technological discovery. With my recent move back from Canada to the city where I grew up, as I look around, it's easy to draw many parallels between the Bitcoin network architecture and the somewhat chaotic organization of Belgrade that just somehow seems to work. TikTok next block A group of us Bitcoiners from the country countries of former Yugoslavia began to organize regular meetups about a year ago. Our group called jedan. no way I'm pronouncing this one right, is an offshoot of the German Enuidwazin initiative. And I can't pronounce that shit either. <laughs> that was started to bring plebs together in meet space so that enthusiasts can socialize, share ideas, and formulate business ventures together in an informal atmosphere. The idea behind the Zeg is that geographically distributed independent Bitcoin communities can form across the world and eventually collaborate on their ongoing projects and offer traveling Bitcoiners a home. It's, it's a Bitcoin hostel. Wherever they happen to be, in the Balkans, Djedin records a weekly podcast in the Serbian Croatian language to cover Bitcoin news, philosophy, and the technological architecture of the network. We are very proud to be the first Bitcoin only podcast in the region, and it's a great way for people that are too far from the city's urban centers where our meetups take place to receive high signal Bitcoin content on a regular basis. This podcast is also complemented by our active Telegram channel, and while our core group is made up of vehement shitcoin minimalists, a fair-sized part of the group is made up of noobs. We take special joy in guiding them through their journey towards understanding Bitcoin. Since four of the six former Yugoslav republics that are now independent countries speak the same language, our initiative is multinational in nature. We collaborate with members from Slovenia, Macedonia, Croatia, Bosnia, and Montenegro, and our group has been steadily growing over the past year. We have a mixture of Bitcoin builders, content creators, developers, and Bitcoin enthusiasts in the group who all come together on a regular basis for bar hopping, barbecues, and road trips to Bitcoin events in the region. While trendy breweries and coffee shops for our meetups are aplenty in Belgrade, A Bitcoin dedicated space did not exist here, nor in the wider Balkan Peninsula. A small group of us decided to undertake the mission of finding and equipping a space where more serious discussions and presentations can take place. Since Bitcoin professionals here are somewhat isolated compared to more established regions such as Germany and the United States, we also wanted the space to serve as a co-working environment for locals to bounce ideas off of other experts in the field. As we plan on partnering with local developers to build Bitcoin focused businesses, this office space would also serve as the physical location for new startups to work with their teams. The hunt was on and we secured or scoured Belgrade in search of an ideal location. We focused our search to the center of the city so that future visitors can not only work in a comfortable space but can also easy, easily access the museums, galleries, music venues, bars, restaurants that make up Belgrade's exciting social scene. We eventually found a duplex on the top floor of an old mixed-use building next to the University of Belgrade's Philosophy Faculty, and it is perhaps fitting that the Fort of Kalemegdan is within a 2-minute walk from our Belgrade Bitcoin Hub. The hub features a large communal co-working presentation room where most of the action will be taking place with two additional rooms that will outfit into a recording studio and a more private office space. Guys, I'm going to continue this. You might I'm I'm I kind of hear you out there going, "Why are you telling us all this?" Because it's a fucking blueprint. It's a blueprint. We need these everywhere. Austin, Nashville, belgrade and there they seem to be following the same blueprint this is the blueprint at our disposal for visitors we have a variety of hardware wallets a point of sale unit powered by btc pay server a bitcoin node an Antminer s9 to experiment with the newest software being developed by the tenants of the space for educational purposes or to get extra inspiration the hub has a small collection of bitcoin literature for visitors to read during the early days of activity in the hub. It has now been populated by drop-in visitors that prefer working in group settings. And as we grow, we will develop the hub to be a venue for cultural events, art exhibits, auctions, hackathons, as well as small-scale presentation center for Bitcoiners. While advanced users will be working at the hub, novices will benefit from presentations and hands-on demonstrations that will take place in the evenings and weekends. Inspired by many ventures around the world with similar goals in mind, we are especially proud that we made this hub a reality using our own funds to finance these initial steps. We want this space to be a permanent Bitcoin home in Belgrade and we hope that organizing such events will enable the space to finance itself for many years to come. While locals will be able to purchase annual memberships, we also have a structure in place so that Bitcoiners who do not live in Belgrade can come and work from the hub during their visits to Serbia. We are especially excited to welcome foreigners to the Belgrade Bitcoin hub to build and help us build. However, the space will be limited Indeed, matching Bitcoiners from around the world with an immense talent that exists in Serbia is one of our top priorities. After all, everything our small group of believers have done to date has culminated into the Belgrade Hub Genesis block. Congratulations to Plumsky, ladies and gentlemen. Holy shit. That was a great write up. And it just so happened that last night you know, I like you know, right now we're having to rent because we've moved from Texas to, to eastern Washington and I don't know shit from Shinola out here. So I've been looking for houses and I ran across an interesting looking house last night. It's in a it's in a shit small town. So as a Bitcoin hub, it probably wouldn't work. But then again, I don't know. Maybe it would. Maybe it would attract a whole bunch of rural people because there's two colleges that are really close. You, know, you got uh, University of Idaho uh, down there and you got like, uh, 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 sorry, oh, God. <laughs> Washington State University is like six miles away from University of Idaho. So there's students aplenty. Driving up here is not bad even in the dead of winter because it's zone, is USDA zone 6A. That's not bad at all it may work, but what is it? It's a school. It's an old school. It's like the, the main school and it's gorgeous. It's like built in 1909. It's made out of brick. It's got a basement and two full stories. It's got an additional gymnasium on it. it is going for like 990,000. And most of it's actually been refurbished because for some reason, somebody thought it'd be a good idea to turn it into a home and they have a brand new kitchen and like flooring and it's nice inside. It's not, it's not a burnt out shell, but I don't have $990,000 to be floating around. However, I do believe that the home the residential market is about to crash in pricing. I'm looking at homes that are three bedroom, two bathroom out in the middle of fucking nowhere in Idaho for $900,000. I've seen a four bedroom going for 1.3 million. It's just a nice looking home. It's insane. None of these homes out here should be worth that much. I think, I think, I think, if I could gather up enough people and we we could like sell the idea of a Bitcoin hub up here in Eastern Washington, I think it would work. There's plenty of space. It's beautiful. It's it's like it for just think of this. The X-Men, that Xavier school for talented individuals, that's what the inside of this place reminds me of somehow. Anyway, I digress. We've got other fish to fry. What do we got? Oh, G7 to collaborate on tighter crypto regulation. Uh, let's do, how long is it? Yeah, let's do this one because it's probably important that we know what the G7 is gonna do. Anna Paula Pararia, I think is how you pronounce her name, Cointelegraph.com. The next G7 meeting might bring a push from the seven biggest democracies for tougher regulations on cryptocurrencies around the world, Kyoto News Agency reported on March the 25th. Together, leaders from Japan, the US, United Kingdom, Canada, France, Germany, and the European Union will outline a cooperative strategy to increase crypto transparency and enhance consumer protections, as well as address potential risks to the global financial system, officials told Kyoto. This year's summit is set to happen in Hiroshima in May. Oh my God, among G7 members, Japan already regulates cryptocurrencies while the European Union's markets in crypto assets regulation is set to go in effect in 2024. And then they just go on about it. But just be aware. I'm not going to read the rest of that article because we are getting short on time. I am 19 minutes over my normal hour mark. Uh, So I'm going to leave it there. But just be aware that the G7, all right? And in case you don't forgot, Japan, United States, UK, Canada, France, Germany, and European Union, basically representatives of the West. That's what the G7, G8 kind of is. The West even though I live in it, I'm an American. I love other Americans. I loathe the federal government. Most, not most state governments, but some of the state governments like California state government, Washington state government, and others. I don't like them either because they're really communistic and want to be socialist and that shit never works. It just kills a bunch of people. I don't like that. But Americans, by and large, I love my American brethren. I love the American ideal. I love the fact that we won the the revolution. I'm, I love the fact that we had thirteen original colonies. That I'm 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 bought in. I don't mind being bought into all that. It's the federal government and some of these state governments that have a that are that are the real enemy, right? But as even though I'm bought into all that shit, I don't give the West a hope in hell of surviving the next fifty to seventy years. Probably even sooner. Africa, Latin America, Eastern Europe, the Balkans, the Baltics, and a few others, you know, Philippines, probably, you know, something that's outside of control of Japan and Russia. Japan, I think, will probably end up on a Bitcoin standard. They'll they'll be the first of the West if they if anybody from the West actually does. Unless the United States surprises us all I don't think that we will then I just give a shit about Latin America, Africa, Baltics, Balkans, Eastern, the rest of Eastern Europe. That's it. Those are the only those are the only countries that make sense at this point going forward. Because the West has done nothing but trash the world, themselves, and the entirety of the world's population all together. And I just honestly I I don't I, I don't give a shit. I just don't. Uh oh well let's end let's end with this one sad, but it's interesting. Canada's bankrupt crypto king, kidnapped, tortured, held for $3 million ransom, Andre Bogansky for decrypt.co. Canada self-proclaimed crypto king, Aidan Pletersky, was kidnapped, tortured, and held for ransom after allegedly fleecing investors out of millions, court documents filed earlier this month claim. Platerski was petitioned into bankruptcy last August, and the 23-year-old, he's 23 years old, 23. The drinking age in most of the United States is 21. Jesus. The 23-year-old is accused of running an investment scheme. Since bankruptcy proceedings began, $25 million uh, Canadian worth of claims has been filed in his case." platersky has told investors that he would pool their money together and invest, in, invest it in cryptocurrency and foreign exchange positions. But of the $41.5 million he received, platersky allegedly invested only 670000 less than 2% of the total amount. Meanwhile, platersky alleged, Allegedly split, spent close to $16 million on his, of course, personal lifestyle, which involved renting private jets, going on elaborate vacations, and purchasing exotic vehicles such as a Ferrari, four Audis, three Lamborghinis, three McLarens, a Land Rover, and a BMW. In December, the bankruptcy's case, a trustee uh, Rob Stetzler was notified by Toronto police that Plitursky had been kidnapped. Documents filed on March the 14th included testimony from Platerski's father, Dragon Pletursky. He was taken. Platerski's dad said they basically held him for approximately three days, drove him around different various parts of Southern Ontario, beat him, tortured him, allowed him to make specific phone calls to specific people only. One of the people Platersky contacted while in captivity was his landlord, Sandeep Gupta. Platersky asked Gupta for $3 million to pay his kidnappers, according to court documents. Platersky's father testified that his son was eventually released under the condition that he quickly find money to pay his kidnappers and refrain from contacting law enforcement. This is a completely bullshit story. Quote, he was released with the threat that he needed to come up with some money fast. And if he had went to the police, there'd be a lot more trouble, his dad said. According to Pletersky's testimony, trouble first emerged for the 23-year-old in November, 2021, when he claimed to lose all of his investments at a time when crypto markets began to reverse from their all-time highs. You know what happened to this kid, right? As his losses began to mount, He uh, said he took very aggressive positions to try to get some of the, some of the people's money back. Quote, I tried to redeem myself, but obviously in doing so, I guess you could say greed took over. I was trying to make returns that obviously weren't feasible or no, or weren't necessarily possible at the time. And it just caused more losses. He was never fucking kidnapped. He kidnapped himself. You don't get kidnapped for $3 million ransom and then released on your own recognizance. This is bullshit. I can't believe I got duped into reading this to you. Oh, well, it can't be any worse than the, the, the than the uh, satire piece about Matt Odell. Again, that piece is, there's nothing true about that piece. Matt's a fine individual. I've met him before in person. He is above board. That's gonna do it for the morning roundup. a joke. How about dad says jokes? Sad news. My obese parrot died today, but it's a huge weight off my shoulder. <laughs> Go forth, be delightful, make new friends. If you have expensive crystal in a cabinet, you know, with your fine china that maybe you bought after you got married, and have used used it all of maybe like one time a year, maybe twice, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, some of the special occasion. And, and, and you never use any, you never use it at all ever, except for those very few times. What are you doing? My wife broke the very last champagne flute that I had from my father last night. It was an accident. She felt horrible about it. But there was something that my stepmom used to tell me. And it was after my dad died, and we had you know got like I think it was when I was telling her that I didn't want to take the China because i I would just break it. And she looked me dead in the eye and she said, "Then what's it useful for? If you're not going to use it, then why does it exist? And if you do use it, understand that eventually it's going to break." I don't know why I bring you that analogy today because I don't have anything to really fit it to. I get the feeling that maybe I was supposed to bring it to somebody who's listening today and I don't know who you are, but if you needed to hear that and you know exactly how to apply it to your life, consider me your humble servant. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and and I'm your host, David Bennett.